Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. When, when you see somebody who's doing something well, or that they've got a gift for something, or that they are somebody that is bringing something that they might not even realize they have, call it out and say to them, like, do you know that you might have found that really easy, but that's really special and don't stop doing it. Welcome to the Business of Marketing, presented to you by SAP. I'm Toby Daniels, and I'm the Chief Innovation Officer at Adweek. On this week's episode, we are joined by Susie Watford, who is the EVP of Consumer at Dow Jones. For those unfamiliar with Dow Jones, they are News Corp's division that publishes the Wall Street Journal, which was one of the first national newspapers to install a paywall to their site back in the late 90s. Susie joined the Wall Street Journal as their CMO back in 2014. In April of this year, Susie became the EVP of Consumer, a newly created role charged with creating a stronger Dow Jones ecosystem. During our conversation, we discussed her career journey in the world of news, which has spanned over two decades, the ever-evolving newspaper business, the Wall Street Journal's strategic pivots towards digital, and how she is working collaboratively within the organization to grow Dow Jones's digital subscription business. We also talked about the brand's commitment to advancing news literacy and the launch of the Trust Your Decisions, a new brand platform and campaign designed to reinforce the journal's position as the definitive source of truth for decision makers. 
It was a pleasure to speak to Susie, and I cannot wait for you to hear all about her incredible work that she is doing at Dow Jones. In addition to my conversation with Susie, and throughout season two of the podcast, we have been spotlighting a number of different startups who have participated in SAP.io's Foundries program. During this episode, you will hear from Ashley Crowder, who is the co-founder and CEO of Vintana, a SaaS platform that makes 3D asset production and distribution fast and scalable for apparel, footwear, and furniture brands. Learn how they worked with SAP to transform their business, the major obstacles they faced as a startup in the 3D space, and how they are leveraging technology to drive their growth. Thank you for listening. And now for my conversation with Susie Watford. Susie, welcome. Thanks so much for joining. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. There's so much for us to cover. So let's jump right in. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk. So let's start with a little bit of history. Uh, let's bring our listeners up to speed on your career. So you joined the Wall Street Journal in November of 2014. You now serve as the EVP of Consumer at Dow Jones. Prior to that, you worked at the Times of London as the Director of Partners and Loyalty, and then subsequently led the sales and marketing efforts for the Times and the Sunday Times. So with all of this experience combined, you've spent over two decades now working in the news business, which is you know not only an amazing accomplishment, but also when you look back over that period, it's such an important time in the evolution of this industry. So walk us through this journey, share a little bit about some of your most important or most memorable experiences that you have had during this time. Wow, yeah, 20, 20 plus years is somewhat amazing. But look, it all, it all started, I quite enjoy how it all started because I applied to an advert looking for graduate trainees that was in the back of the Sunday Times. And I got to move down to London and went straight into the marketing department, which at the time at the Sunday Times was really all about how did you drive print newsstand sales. And I remember from the first day that I started, the questions were, how do we attract younger audiences? How do we grow? And ultimately, how are we going to make people pay for digital news. And a lot of those themes really continued over the 20 years, both in the UK and over here in the US. And it's been amazing to work on brands and titles, which really have fundamentally transformed and changed. And particularly now at the Wall Street Journal, the audience is younger than it ever has been. We're bigger than we ever have been. We've got more subscribers than ever, and we're more digital than ever. So it has been a real experience and I've been lucky along the way to see and be part of amazing news moments, both broadly in terms of the coverage that the papers have done and also just in terms of the industry and the change that we've got to be a part of and got to lead at the titles that I've won. You've spent this whole time trying to get into the mind of the reader and understand how their needs have changed or are changing and shifting behaviorally speaking and how the business presumably needs to keep pace with that what are the, some of the things that you've learned about reader behavior over that time yeah i think the first thing is that i come at this as a fan and a reader of news rather than a journalist and i think that's really important because you want the partnership of 
you know, journalists who are excellent at their craft and focused on how to tell the story and how to get the story, but how to make it accessible and how to market it as something that accessible and that people want to read and that people ultimately will, will pay for is a different thing. I've always enjoyed that partnership with the newsrooms to work out how to get their news to more people and ultimately how to get people to pay for it. And that's really where the, where the passion lies. And I think it comes from a lot of things. It comes from, obviously, now we have an abundance of customer data and audience data that we can look at. And we can do a huge amount of research to understand what it is that people want from news. But I also just feel very passionately about the role that news plays in people's lives, and particularly brands like the Wall Street Journal play in people's lives and helping them make decisions, helping them where they work, where they should live, the industries and careers they go into. And I think understanding that fundamentally and understanding that the brand that you work on and the title that you work on, the role it plays in somebody's life is incredibly exciting. And it's when you get to the heart of that, that you begin to create really fantastic marketing for the brand, I think. Sticking with your career just for a second, many of our guests that we talk to on this podcast, they talk about mentorship as being something that was instrumental in their growth and development. When you used to look back over the last 20 years and the progress that you've made, who were some of the mentors that you've worked closely with and, and in what ways have they impacted your career? Yeah, and they still are today. I think that's the other thing is that I've been very fortunate that there has been a kind of constant community of people within News Corps and more broadly who have, I've worked with over the 20 years. Foundation on all of that is Katie Vanek-Smith, who is now the co-founder of, of Tortoise, the slow news startup. And Katie was my boss for probably about 15 years of the last 20 or so years. And she was just an excellent partner in crime and was brilliant at pushing me to to do better and she was a she's a harsh critic but she's a very passionate leader and people want to follow her and she was she has been really instrumental and continues to be instrumental today for me just as a, a kind of a wise counsel and great friend but I think I've been lucky that both editors that I've worked with and other CEOs that I've got to work with have just been incredibly encouraging and I think I've been fortunate that in the role that I have I think within marketing and membership I really have been leading the growth part of news organizations and subscriptions and membership and so that's given me fantastic exposure to people across the business and a real opportunity to tell the story of what members you know want we do call them members rather than rather than readers or subscribers but what members want and what they're looking for from the products and how we can ultimately grow it but yeah i've got to work with amazing people that are still very much a part of my life today let's shift gears a little bit talk about some of your recent work in your current role and the achievements of your team and the strategies and practices that have helped to you know pave this path for the current success that you're having so the wall street journal since you took on the role of evp of consumer has since doubled its digital membership and according to the latest q4 earnings total average subscriptions to dow jones consumer products have reached 4.5 million Circulation and subscription revenues have increased by 34 million and revenues in the quarter have increased by 68 million. So obviously these are pretty solid numbers, so congrats. Um, second though, I'd like to kind of break down the story behind this success and, and really get an understanding of the ways in which the sort of evolving newspaper business and your strategic pivot towards digital has been a contributing factor. 
Yeah, sure. And I think just to pick up on some of the numbers uh, that you were quoting, I think some of the numbers that you were, you were talking about were increases, the, the overall revenue across Dow Jones consumer um, subscriptions is very large. I think it's the largest revenue line within within the company. And it has increased significantly, as you pointed out, and we're over four and a half million subscribers and digital growth has been yet yeah, double digit. And amazingly, actually, COVID saw a huge increase in our overall reach and traffic at the Wall Street Journal and Dow Jones titles and, and the journals subscriptions have grown dramatically and actually continue to grow. We're still seeing that kind of pace with the amazing coverage, things like the Facebook files that I'm sure you will have read in the last couple of weeks, but some amazing reporting from um, the journal that has continued to really keep the pace up. It has been, it's it's been in a, a kind of a, a long journey over the last seven years where we've been in steady growth and it really has ramped up in the past 18 months. And it's come from a lot of things. It's come from, as I say, that kind of top of the funnel, the overall reach of our journalism, getting to more people, which has been both a conscious effort and also driven by, as we said, the new cycle. And then what we've done is we've really built uh, a, a machine in terms of the overall subscriptions and um, membership team. And that team is very focused around each stage of the customer journey. How do we attract people through our brand marketing and content marketing? How do we get really good at converting them? We were the first to introduce a dynamic paywall that really understands who readers are and their propensity to subscribe at any given moment before um, showing them that message to allow them to sample our journalism. And then we focus on how do we, how do we convert you and how do we onboard you to make sure that we understand a lot of about you and that we can then serve you the right content and the right stories and then how do we make sure that you're using the product every day and it's every part of that journey that that is tinkered with and optimized every week to improve and all of those things have helped to, to drive the overall growth so I think in subscriptions businesses sorry there it really is never one silver bullet it is everything constantly being optimized. And also, presumably, given the fact that I think the Wall Street Journal was one of the first to introduce a gated content or a paywall, a subscription paywall, you've had more time than most to finesse and iterate on the 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 mod, as well as the time to build and iterate on the actual technology itself. Let, let's talk about the technology for a second. What, when you look back over that sort of seven year period, what? technological leaps forward that have been made have been most important in supporting the growth of your subscription business? Yeah, I think in general across news, we're in a place now where the thought of paying for digital news or paying for quality content is not laughable. Whereas I remember um, when we first started talking at the Times about getting people to pay for digital subscriptions, nobody thought people would pay. And so I think a number of things have changed there. Obviously, people paying for quality content via whether it's Spotify or Netflix or whatever, people are more used to now paying to consume in, in that way. So that's definitely helped. But it really did start when I look back at apps and the idea that actually you would pay for something in digital, but you'd feel some kind of ownership for it. And we were very fortunate at the time, Sunday Times, that when we launched paid digital subscriptions, it also coincided with phones and apps and all of that good stuff. So that definitely played a role. And obviously now we have lots of people that choose to read us on mobile. So that's been a big part of it. But overall, I'd also say that understanding the customer data that we have access to understand how people want to read, when they want to read, how the right content at the right time 
time, but the alert strategy, the newsletter strategy, all of that has really continued to evolve. And alongside that, the kind of features and, and functionality that have been introduced, whether it's podcasts and audio, you can listen and read to all the articles that are in the Wall Street Journal. You can choose to have them read to you or you can read them. So these constant innovations are coming in to make the experience more you know customer friendly more easy to multitask all that good stuff so i think technology is constantly evolving and it's up to us to try to work out what it is that readers actually will want and will use what's a fad and what isn't absolutely let's dig in on the subscription model for a bit dow has led the industry in digital subscription innovation as we just discussed obviously for a number of years and when you were promoted earlier this year, Carl Wells was also appointed as Chief Subscriptions Officer. So we're really interested in, in, on this po podcast in, in exploring the ways in which senior leadership work collaboratively together. So talk about your relationship with Carl and how you work together to drive innovation across the you know, Dow Jones and the Wall Street Journal's digital subscription business. I am very fortunate to have a fantastic team of um, people who are experts in understanding subscriptions and membership. And Carl, Carl Wells, who, as you mentioned, is Chief Subscriptions Officer, Christina Kampoulis, who is Chief Enterprise Officer, and Sharon Ribner, who runs all of the marketing on the Wall Street Journal, like a triangle, if you like, that have been part of the journey for the last seven years. And so we really have built this model out together and with their uh, respective teams. So that relationship, they're all on my kind of marketing and membership group, so they're, they're part of one team. But as you rightly point out, how we work with other people across the business is, is just absolutely crucial. And that's with colleagues in, in the newsrooms and in our editorial teams, and in particular, obviously, Matt Murray as editor of the Wall Street Journal and Al Molitor as our publisher and CEO. So we're constantly working very closely to to understand what are the big stories that are coming up, what are the changes that Matt's thinking through in the newsroom, what coverage areas is he going to go deep on, and then tying that back together with our product and technology teams to make sure that, that everything's synced up. And we also have GMs across our business as well that we work very closely with to make sure that both the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, Market Watch, Investor Business Daily, which we acquired earlier on this year, how all of those businesses are working together. And the exciting thing for me in the new role of kind of consumer is thinking about how does that whole ecosystem across Dow Jones consumer come together and how do you know Rob Hayes who runs our audio and video business and uh, a new business area and Josh Stinchcomb who runs our commercial you know advertising and media sales area how does that all fit together in the world of consumer and that is all about goal alignment all about understanding what is it that we're trying to get done we're very clear that we're growing uh, the membership business we want to grow the associated revenue of that we want to bring in new audiences and we want to continue to you know support and increase trust within our products so it is definitely a team you know it's a team sport it's constant communication and really being aligned around what the vision is that we're trying to get done and and how we work together to deliver it I want to just go off on a little bit of a tangent for a second, because you've touched on audio a couple of times, and I'm really interested in, in understanding how you see um, this trend evolving. So when you, look, when you think about the evolution of digital news consumption, really since sort of the beginning of the internet, where the news was made available largely for free and access through the browser, and then obviously that was followed by mobile and you know, the consumption of news via mobile now is the sort of the dominant way in which people um, access the content. And I'm curious, because you touched on audio, 
Do you imagine a world in the future where most people will consume most of their news via audio? I don't know whether it will, I don't know whether it will be most people and most of their news, but I think it's definitely true that, as I mentioned, the ability to multitask and listen to the mm -hmm. Wall Street Journal, whether you're driving or, or doing whatever is, is a huge customer benefit because we know that time is one of the biggest uh, barriers to people consuming quality news content. So if you can find a way to make it easy for people, then brilliant. And I think when I think think about audio it is a number of different formats it might be the podcast it might obviously be video but also as audio it mm -hmm. might be text to speech articles within the wall street journal itself and i think what we've seen is that it can play for us audio is a very successful medium for the journalism to reach more people and to really act not just as a brilliant news channel but also a top of the funnel marketing role that it plays for us in bringing new audiences in because it is available to, to everybody in our flagship podcast of the journal which we do in partnership with Gimlet is a really fantastic way for us to bring those new audiences into the journal mm -hmm. but it's also a, you know a significant revenue um, stream for us from an advertising perspective and I think what we're always keen to do is say things don't have to only do one job I think there is a tendency for us to think oh are you membership or are you advertising are you off platform or on platform are you audio or text are you and the answer is you kind of have to be all of these things and you have to try to build an ecosystem where they can all fit together and everything can play its role and i think audio and video and events can play a role at both top of the funnel for for brand building and acquisition as well as for advertising and and throughout the funnel both as ways to convene community and to make a membership have real value and basically improve your kind of reading experience within the wall street journal itself so i think um trying to piece it all together is is part of the is part of the task that's fascinating let's, let's stick with the sort of new audiences and in particular mm -hmm. i'd love to i'd love to understand what the journey looks like for a new subscriber as you onboard them for the first time. What is that experience like? And then in what ways are you working to maintain their subscription or maintain their sort of engagement? What are, what are some of the tactical things that you do to keep them engaged once they've originally subscribed? We've done an awful lot of work on this because we got very good at acquisition. And then obviously like every subscription business, you realize you have to get really good at the, at the engagement and the retention. And the team did a fantastic piece of work, which we called the Habit Project, which was really understanding those customers it stands to reason but those customers that were more likely to stay were the people that were more engaged and that there were certain habits sticky habits as we called them that were more likely to get people to stay engaged so once we understood what those were then we knew the things that we could prioritize and try to make sure that people were doing um, and what we learned uh, was that it was very important to get people to do those as quickly as possible within their subscription journey which meant that we completely redesigned the onboarding journey and this was right. something that Carl's team worked on very closely with the product uh, and news teams to make sure that we were we were doing this in the right way but essentially what that means is at the point where you've subscribed you very quickly go through an onboarding journey which actually if anybody's a subscriber to the Wall Street Journal if you haven't been through that journey if you'd subscribed before that you can go through it again by clicking on your name in the top uh, right hand corner of, of the website so you can go back through the onboarding journey but as you go through that there's a number of things you get asked to to put in your phone number so that we can text you a link to the app because we know that the quicker you have the app 
the mm -hmm. more um, engaged you're going to be. We will ask you to sign up within the onboarding journey to all the emails that we think and the, the newsletters that we are going to be of the most interest to you. We will tell you how to follow our journalists on Twitter. We will talk to you about, or we will ask you rather, what your profession and industry is. Obviously, for the Wall Street Journal, understanding a bit more about why you're coming to the Wall Street Journal, what your job title is, all of that is incredibly good first party data that we can collect and then serve you a more tailored and personalized experience as a result of that. And so it goes on. And actually, I think what we've done is We've created an onboarding journey that's really focused on trying to get you to do as much as possible within that first, you know, 15 minutes of subscribing, if you like, because there is never a better time to get you to start building those habits than on that day one. And as a result of that, we have got really, uh, we've made such significant, um, you know, headway in our retention and active days, which is the measure that we use. How many active days in a month is a member using their subscription has increased considerably. We've learned a lot. We're always learning, but uh, we've We've learned a lot and made a lot of improvements. Yeah, there's some really interesting data out there about the onboarding kind of process and the more thorough the process and the more I think that people feel as though they're a having their hand held a little bit through that process as well as knowing that it will result in a more personalized experience not only impacts retention but also if you happen to use NPS as a measure of like advocacy, NPS scores tend to be much higher as a result as well. So it's really interesting. I'm curious though, and, and you may or may not just be able to like share any details here, but you mentioned obviously the pandemic was a, a massive driver of new subscriptions. And that's just across the board, whether it's streaming or news and content in general, most businesses saw a pretty significant uptick in, in new subscribers during that, that, that period. One assumes though, that there will also be a sort of mass exodus as people are like, okay, I don't need this many subscriptions. I have way too much content. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I actually just want to get outside and spend more time with my friends rather than consuming content. Are you seeing any evidence to support that? We're not. We're not seeing that. And I think that's in part because the news cycle for us, given the, the kind of news that we are, obviously, we went from pandemic to election to GameStop to Afghan wars to then Facebook files to who knows what's next. So things, the kind of coverage that we have has not really slowed down. I think the combination of both the, the news cycle and also a lot of the work that we've done around the product both running up to kind of the unknowingly, but running up to the pandemic. And then in the last year is, has really meant that we have kept an awful lot of that. So we haven't returned to pre-pandemic levels. Now, that is not to say that there isn't a lot of work to be done. And as you say, you'd expect there to be a natural tailing up, tailoring, but we're, we're not really seeing it to the same extent. We definitely haven't gone back to where we were pre-pandemic. And I think there's also a huge amount of innovation. So as, as you said, trying to work out where you can fit into people's lives, if there is this, you know, sense of... Of subscription fatigue then how do you how do you think about how do we overcome that we've always been challenged with whether it's competition from social media versus television versus there's always been this question of how do you fit around consumers lives and i think that's where 
some of the things as we've talked about audio being a really great example become really important because you want to give people the choice of how they can consume your news or the convenience of the newsletter that's in your inbox first thing that gives you a quick news briefing or the news alerts that you get as and when you need them so i think that's a really important part of our job is to make sure that we help people manage if you like that kind of feeling overwhelmed by the amount of content and choices that are out there Let's take a break from my conversation with Susie and hear from Ashley Crowder, the co-founder and CEO of Vintana, a former participant in SAP.io's Foundries program, as she discusses how she used LinkedIn to growth hack during the early stages of her company. My name is Ashley Crowder. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Ventana. We are a SaaS platform that makes it fast and easy to do 3D and AR e-commerce. We were part of the SAP.io program last year, which helped us integrate into the SAP Commerce Cloud. So if you use Commerce Cloud, it is incredibly easy to add 3D and AR the exact same way you add 2D video and images today. The genesis of Ventana started like most startups in a very different form. My engineering school has a partnership with the military called ICT, where they fund research in 3D AR VR. So that's where I first got exposed to this technology over a decade ago, and I knew this was gonna change everything. Nine years ago, phones couldn't do AR and web didn't support 3D. So when we first started Ventana, we were doing location-based mixed reality experiences for brands like Nike, Adidas, and Lexus. And we built a profitable business doing that, but nobody ever had the right 3D models to create these types of spatial experiences with. So over the years, we wrote a lot of software to help automate the management and distribution and conversion of 3D models so that you could actually use them in all these different places. And in 2019, we decided to launch our software as a platform to help power e-commerce at scale. And you know, someone was looking out, it was really good timing. It officially launched February, 2020. And then COVID happened where just the need for better product visualization skyrocketed. So we've been growing really fast ever since then. I'd say a major obstacle we faced as a startup is where do you begin? The need for 3D spans every industry. You can think of apparel and footwear and bags and furniture, home goods, cars. Every single industry can benefit from an easy way to visualize 3D and augmented reality of the product. But as a startup, you only have so big of a team and so many resources. So we really had to start somewhere and, and focus. So we began first with apparel and fashion. And just like Amazon started with books, owned that and expanded from there. Now we're starting to expand into furniture and home goods. And we're really excited to when we can just provide 3D services for everything on e-commerce. An example of how we've leveraged technology to drive growth and business transformation. One great example is LinkedIn. So I was a very early LinkedIn adopter eight years ago. If you messaged anyone on LinkedIn, they would friend you and message you back. So that was a, a huge way that, that we growth hacked in the beginning. I was not afraid to message the CEO of any company and reach out and tell them what we were doing. We closed a lot of big clients that way. I'm always trying to be aware of what is that new tech that's out there? How can we leverage it to our advantage before it becomes ubiquitous and people 
So if you are interested in increasing your online sales with 3D and augmented reality, you can check us out at ventana.com. It's V-N-T-A-N-A.com. Thanks to Ashley for introducing us to her business and the work that they have accomplished with SAP.io. You can learn more about Ventana by visiting Ventana.com. And if you're interested in working with SAP.io, check out the show notes for more information. And now back to my conversation with Susie Watford, the EVP of Consumer at Dow Jones. So let's spend some time talking about how you have cultivated a more diverse readership base and, and how you've been doubling down on the Wall Street Journal's commitment to trustworthiness. So my understanding is that you have launched a project that is a commitment towards advancing news literacy. And so obviously, given the current climate, the last few years, the issues that I think we're experiencing more broadly in regards to misinformation and disinformation, clearly this is important work. Talk a little bit about what you're doing, particularly with the news literacy project. So I think overall, when we talk about diversifying audiences, the first thing to say is back to really the Wall Street Journal has grown and the reach and makeup of the Wall Street Journal audience has changed over the years, particularly with the you know, introduction of, of digital at the rate that it is and that it's grown. But like all traditional media, we recognize that we have a lot more work to do to bring on new audiences and to continue to diversify them. And critical to that has been things like our student program. So we have a very big college and on-campus program for the Wall Street Journal, where both professors and students use the journal to learn and to not only read the news, but get case studies and all of that good stuff. That is a big part of, of what we do. But it's also been really important for us to think about, you know, we truly believe I truly believe that the Wall Street Journal can change what the future of business looks like. So the more people that are reading the Wall Street Journal now that are diverse, different demographics, et cetera, et cetera, then the more diverse the future of business can be. Because we know that when you talk to very senior people, they talk about the role that the journal has played in their lives and helping them get their career ahead. So I really want the Wall Street Journal to be very true to what it is, which is that it's a brilliant paper that sees the world through a lens of business, economics, markets, et cetera but to make sure that it's as accessible as possible to younger audiences, more diverse audiences to, to help them get the kind of the step into business that, that they need. So that's a really, that's the big picture of what we want to make sure that we do. But as you say, a really important part of that is, is around news literacy, because what we know is lots of new people coming to the Wall Street Journal and news sources in general, but the Wall Street Journal in particular, don't necessarily understand the work that goes into making sure the news is as trusted and as as valuable as it is and that that's why we did the news literacy campaign so we partnered with the news literacy program who are experts in how to communicate this kind of stuff but we partnered with them and we really focused first of all on telling the difference and explaining the difference between news and opinion which is a really important thing for our news editor is different to our opinion editor they are different departments there is a a line and a separation between the two and you might not know that if you're coming to the wall street journal via digital channels it was very clear in the newspaper when there's a different section that's called opinion you can see it but it's our job to make sure we explain to people 
what that separation is in digital and try to make it as clear as possible through labeling and all the different kind of signals, design or, or whatever. So we think that's a really important thing that, that to, to explain and, and talk to people about. And we know that people that are new to the Wall Street Journal and new to news don't necessarily understand that difference. So that was where we started. But then we also began to talk about actually the standards and ethics within the Wall Street Journal. We are really proud and it's definitely worth watching the videos that explain this. But we are really proud of the lengths that our journalists go to to make sure that what you read is trusted, you know, source, soundly sourced, reported, et cetera, et cetera. And there's some great insights around how we do that. And it's, it's definitely very special to the Wall Street Journal, the efforts that we go to. And that's ultimately how the Wall Street Journal, the title of being the, the most trusted newspaper in the US. We pay a lot of attention to that. And that translates all the way through to our advertising policies. We are very uh, careful and clear to label content that is paid advertising we go to great lengths to make sure that there's that separation that there is no pay to play sponsorships within our events business we really want to make sure that readers understand what's come from our news teams and what's come from our advertisers both are incredibly important but our advertisers also recognize the value of being in the wall street journal is making sure that you are within this trusted context and the environment so it's something that's it's good for everyone it's good for the reader it's good for our business it's good for our, our new standards and it's something we really do as a company talk about a lot and that's really how we got to i know we'll come on and talk about trust your decisions but making mm -hmm. sure that trust is central to what we do and how we view everything that we do as a team, as a company, as a news brand and can't be underestimated. Yeah, let's, let's build on this theme of trustworthiness. So you just mentioned the Trust Your Decisions platform and campaign that you launched, which I believe is designed to reinforce the journal's position as the definitive source of truth for decision makers. And you mentioned the Wall Street Journal is um, the number one most trusted uh, news source in the United States, and obviously something that I'm sure you're very proud of. But talk about what fuels that, and in particular, obviously, in reference to trust your decisions. Yeah, it's interesting because when you when you talk to readers or prospects about the Wall Street Journal, they really they do understand that it's news worth paying for. So we're not having to convince people that what the Wall Street Journal does has value and is worth is worth paying to subscribe to. Nor are we having to convince them that it, it is trustworthy and that it's obviously a credible and valuable news source. But what we do need to show is how it's super relevant to them in their everyday lives in order to be able to grow the audience. What we what we did with Trust Your Decisions was we really took to understanding what's the difference and what's happened in the last year in people's lives and what role does the Wall Street Journal play in their lives and, and how can we how can we bring that out through the advertising and what we found is perhaps no surprise that our members felt that during the pandemic actually they had amassed more wealth that they had more opportunity they were quite excited about the future um, and what was next and our prospect audiences were feeling perhaps more more cautious they put decisions on hold they weren't quite sure what they should be doing next but both audiences agreed that the wall street journal could play a role in helping them make decisions about what they do next they could see the necessity of having the journal in their lives to help provide almost i suppose like a, a guide or a playbook to what they should be doing both with their finances careers and all that good stuff so we wanted to really lean into that and the idea of trust your source trust your decisions 
began to resonate and I think we love it because it's got trust in it we love it because it's got your in it because we think that at the Wall Street Journal we really do believe in the agency of individuals to make up their own minds we want to give them the information but we want it to be your decision and decisions because I think when we were talking to our journalists about this they were like that's what we do all day we just try to help people make decisions we just want to give them the right information and it's been yeah it was launched in back in April and and it's really has resonated and it's provided a way for us to market and promote our content and to really show the relevance to to audiences both those that we have and new audiences particularly post-pandemic I mean what you're basically saying is by subscribing to the Wall Street Journal, you can lower your levels of anxiety and paralysis around being able to make decisions in your life. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, one of the things that, and I hadn't really thought about it this way, but one of our journalists actually emailed me and said, I think what you are doing, whether you realized it or not, and of course I said, of course I did realize that, and I hadn't realized <laughs> it, was you're actually providing this kind of quite, this kind of feeling of calm and like, you've got this. Like trust your decisions, like to get the information, make that decision, stop all the noise. And I thought that was a really nice way of looking at it. It felt very modern. And what people need more than ever is just some of that clarity and some of that guidance, which I think the journal can do. Yeah, look, paradox of choice is real and is causing you know more anxiety, I think, today among people when you think about the amount of content that is out there and the, the the consumer choices that we uh can potentially make in whatever it is that we're doing and ultimately what we need is is not more of everything but we we need better quality and we need you know more personalization and it sounds that sounds central to your strategy is focus on the quality of the experience as well as the the ways in which you can also personalize that, that experience for people Definitely. And I think the value of when Matt, the editor, talks about you know, where, where you work, where you spend your money, where you choose to live, the brands that you buy into, all of that is is life. It's the big things that, that happen. And he introduced a, a, new, a new coverage area called Life and Work, which is really about making sure that we can focus on that and that we can package that up for people, which is particularly relevant to younger audiences whilst also still super interesting to our core audiences and our business decision makers who we serve, not just through the Wall Street Journal in the broader sense, but through deep verticals of content around cybersecurity or private equity news or bankruptcy. All of these are things that sit within the Wall Street Journal. And I feel like my job is to try to bring as many people in as possible with the team to subscribe in the first instance, and then to take them on that journey to be able to serve them more relevant, and as you say, more personalized experiences they go whether that's through attending an event with other CIOs or CMOs to signing up to a newsletter to being part of our women in community I think it the work the work doesn't stop and it's just how do you fit it all together all right let's let's switch back to you I'd love to dig in and learn a little bit more about you as a leader so during these conversations we like to get to know our guests in terms of how they perceive themselves as leaders within their organization, and then also what it means to be a, a modern and progressive leader in today's increasingly complex social, political, and economic landscape. So we know that the role has changed. Leadership has shifted pretty significantly. And I think also the skills that you need today were probably not even in the, the sort of the leadership toolkit 10 years ago. So what's in your toolkit? What skills have you had to learn, especially over the course of the last few years to navigate the world as it is today and where it's heading into the future? 
That's a great question, isn't it? Let me think. I, I, I think that I can tell a compelling story. I think that's the kind of gift of marketing, isn't it? To be able to get to the heart of what it is that you're trying to do and try to bring people together to align around that story or that vision. And I think we've shown, you know, over the last couple of years that we've been able to do that and really drive the growth in a way that can brilliantly power this amazing journalistic enterprise. So I think telling that story and that vision of and helping people get there. And I think the bit that I enjoy more than anything is bringing teams together, both my own team, but also other people across the business to rally around that vision and try to get stuff done. And if I was to say the bit that I think has become more important is the ability, particularly in the last 18 months or so, is to be able to do that with empathy, because we all know that people are experiencing different things at different times, to try to be as inclusive as possible and to try to get um, as many ideas from people as possible. And I truly believe that the answer is in the room or the virtual room, if you like. But I think if you ask the right questions and create the right environment for people to be able to, to be able to join in and trust the people that they're in the room with, I think you can just get brilliant work. I hope that's what, I hope that's how I work with people and, and I hope that's how they feel. And I'll also be very quick to say in a meeting that this feels like it's really weird what we're going to do about it there's something that's not quite right and just trying to have that emotional um, instinct I think as well as the desire to drive the number so going back to something we spoke about at the beginning of this conversation Mm. mentorship you've obviously had a, a pretty incredible career and you've gained a ton of experience you know within this industry over that time what are some of the ways that you like to pay it forward I think the the best way is what happened to me, which is when, when you see somebody who's doing something well, or that they've got a gift for something, or that they are somebody that is bringing something that they might not even realize they have, to call it out and to say to them, like, do you know that you might have found that really easy? but that's really special and don't stop doing it. That is a brilliant thing. So I hope how I do it is by, if I see people with talent is being able to actually say to them, you might not see it, but I see it in you. And I really hope that the people that we have in our team want to build a career in news like I have, because I just, I've the last 20 years, it's been so much fun. I'm just, I'm so grateful and so thankful for the amazing people that I get to work with and what we've got to build together. And I want more people, you know, to experience that like I have. So I hope that the way I do it is by calling it out when I see them and the gift of saying to them, do you know what, you've got something quite special. How can I help you do more and, and take on more and be a part of this next thing? Hopefully recognition and, yeah, and the gift of agency. I think recognition is just so crucially important and and oftentimes we underestimate the potential impact that even just the smallest of things in regards to recognition can have on on people's experience and and on their kind of own sort of you know career trajectory yeah I I totally agree unfortunately that's um all the time that we have unfortunately today Susie thank you so much for taking the time to be with us we very much appreciate your insights and certainly wish you the very best in these final months of 2021 and the very best for 2022. I can't believe that we're even saying that. I can't believe that's (laughs) almost the end of 2021, but thank you so much, Toby, for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to The Business of Marketing, brought to you by Adweek and presented in partnership with SAP. The Business of Marketing is produced by Al Manorino. The executive producer is Brian Leddy. Support also provided by Erica Perry and Julian Gamboa. Please take a minute to subscribe and review our show. 
your feedback means the world to us. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.